The world is not your friend. We can choose for man's approval, or we could choose to aim for God's approval. And now for Seek No Man's Approval. Amen. Today, let's start off by looking back at the story of Joseph. We had Joseph, an individual who was most adored by his father, an individual who was given a coat of many colors to show that, an individual who had several brothers, and yet he received a dream from God. It was a dream that told him of the things that the Lord would do through him. And yet the Lord never told Joseph to tell anybody about the dream. Yet Joseph, most likely wanting for more approval, already being most approved by his father, seeking approval from his brothers, went ahead and told people anyway. But he told people who were envious of him, jealous because him, and they just happened to be family. These same people went on to sell him into slavery. And from there, a long time passes, he becomes the right-hand man of Pharaoh. And even though he had seemingly reached the top that the world could offer, he still gave his children Jewish names because he remembered where he came from. The title of my sermon today is simply Seek No Man's Approval. And point number one would simply be the world is not your friend. The world is not your friend. You see, many times we're put in a bit of a conflict today. And that's that we have men's opinions, you know, ideas, motives, and then we have God's word. And usually there's a bit of a clashing in each era and age. And as Christians, we're faced with this idea of compromise. You know, the Lord says it's a 10, but maybe I should just say it's a five so people won't get as mad at me. I got a word for you, friend. Half truths are still nothing but lies. (laughs) The world is not your friend. We can choose for man's approval or we could choose to aim for God's approval. The thing about going for man's opinions and approval is that one day they'll give you a thumbs up and the next day they'll give you a thumbs down. Because man's opinion and approval is ever changing. See, the word is eternal, but man is wishy-washy. <laughs> and it can be tough to not follow the advices of the wicked, the patterns of the wicked, to set a different pattern, blaze a different path, to break generational curses and establish a new way. If all that you've been surrounded by and seen nearby be wickedness. But yet still, as the scripture state in Galatians 5, 16, not going to 26, but the first verse. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We lust for approval. I mean, who doesn't? Humans are social creatures. Why wouldn't we want to be approved by our fellow brother or sister? It's natural. But by walking in the spirit, that lust of the flesh can be overcome. And when I title the sermon, Seek No Man's Approval, you may immediately think, well, that means... I have no regulations. There's no standard. If I'm not seeking anybody's approval, I can do whatever I want. I have absolute freedom. False. By seeking no man's approval, I mean to seek God's approval. And it's not that there be no standard. It's that we be under a different standard. As opposed to being under the standards of changing man, the changing cultures and what's acceptable, you be under the eternal standard of a holy God. Amen. And you might think, you know, well, I do this. But everybody does this. And since everybody does this, it's okay. I got a word for you. Just because it's normalized doesn't mean it's normal. In scripture, we see, you know, there's a wide path that leadeth unto destruction. Many walk on it. And then we see that there's a narrow path that leadeth unto righteousness and few even find it. 
Just because a lot of people are doing it don't mean it's the right thing to do, simply put. And this leads on to point two. We have a divide. To be a friend of the world or a friend of God, you can't be both. As scripture state in James 4, verses 4 through 6, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. He gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And quoting an archbishop here, Archbishop Layton, he states, When the moon shines brightest towards the earth, it is darkened heavenward. And on the contrary, when it appears not, it is nearest the sun and closest towards heaven. Friends with the world or friends with God, shining our lights upon the world or shining our light towards heaven. You choose, but you can't pick both. Continuing on, whenever you see this divide, Right. I'm, I'm either with God or I'm against God. It's real easy to get caught up in self-righteousness. And quite literally, this is a big reason why non-religious people conventionally don't like religious people because they're self-righteous. You know, real judgmental. They're a sinner, but I'm good. They be doing this. They be crowding with heathens. But, you know, I'd be in church on Sunday. Self-righteousness, not the move. <laughs> and Jesus gives us a parable in Luke 10 verses Luke 18 verses 10 through 14. It reads. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I am certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you this, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Even in the contrast, there's a further contrast between this humility and pride, a clear contrast in attitude and manner, a contrast in spirit, a contrast in prayer, a contrast in reception, as J.R. Thompson points out. Continuing on, there's the commitment. You may wonder, well, if I do want to commit to God, if I do want to be in God's good graces, well, what do I do? And the first thing is to have faith. We've all heard the verse, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And as Spurgeon adds on to it, he states, without a true faith that flows through every aspect of our lives, we are mere carcasses of virtue. The first step in this change, be a change of faith, a change of having a motive to please God and a confidence in God. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then additionally, there's honest prayer. I like to think of the relationship between scripture and prayer. You know, scripture reading and prayer are some of the most neglected necessities of the day-to-day Christian, myself included. And honest prayer is just so crucial. I was recently reading a book that I haven't been able to finish because, to be quite frank, it's a strong book. There's a lot of stories about a lot of bad stuff happening to people. And it's simply titled, God on Mute. My eyes nearly teared up thinking about it. And there was a story of a man. He was an individual who lost not one, but two individuals he thought were the loves of his life. And both of them he lost the day before the wedding night. He wrote a poem in grief, just letting his heart out to God. And then it became a modern day hymn. I just want to read a couple lines from the poem. Simply stated, oh, what peace we forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. 
If you want to hear the hymn, it's what a friend in Jesus. And scripture backs this up further. When we give everything to God in prayer, there's a peace that comes back in return. As Philippians 4 verses 6 through 7 read, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Beautiful. Of course, even with faith, even with prayer, we got to know what we put in our faith in. Know what we praying to. And that's where the scripture reading comes in. You can't know God if you never know his word. And you get his word via the Bible. I mean, like, sure, there's individuals who, like, hear from God audibly. But let's just be honest. That's rare. God intended for it to generally and primarily be heard through reading his word. Have faith. And that faith is bolstered by seeing the consistencies in scripture, seeing how the word tells us how the world really is. Have a strong prayer life. Mm, Beautiful. I got 10 seconds left. I'm going to just simply restate the points. The world is not your friend. There's a divide and you can't choose both. And the commitment begins with prayer. Have a blessed day, everybody. Thank you. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Seek No Man's Approval, by George Bronner. This message is number 4115. That's 4115. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 4115 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. From brothers of the word.